1: It is game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with the Gamecock Central crew here. Wes Mitchell joining me. And Wes, we got a huge ball game today with South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Now, obviously, a big game every year because it is an SEC East matchup. But it seems like Carolina and Vanderbilt, 4 o'clock kickoff today on the SEC network from Nashville, is huge for both of these ball clubs. Maybe bigger this year than in years past, Wes. Yeah,
2: it's crazy. You know, I think Emerson, we probably would not have circled this game Uh, with being really anybody involved with the South Carolina program, whether you're a fan, media member, um, whatever else. We wouldn't have circled this football game on the schedule prior to the season as being one of the even maybe top half, I think, games as far as most importance. But um, now you look at it, Vandy maybe maybe is a little bit better than we thought they were going to be. South Carolina, we don't know what they are yet. Um, And with the way Georgia – Uh, handled south carolina two weekends ago you look at this thing you say south carolina needs a win for their season to be uh on track for what they want it to be and what they thought it could be preseason and and all those things and uh as i believe you uh were were hearing earlier this week um, it, it sounds like this is a pretty dang big game for uh for vanderbilt on a sort of maybe big picture uh, as far as
1: the the Derrick Mason era, is that correct? Yeah, Chris Lee with com joined us on Gamecock Central Radio for Vanderbilt Preview. Earlier this week, he gave us the Vanderbilt perspective and he said that he thinks this is the biggest game for Derek Mason since Mason took over at Vanderbilt. I thought that was a strong statement.
2: Whew, yeah, I, and man, to me, anytime, and and obviously, you know, Chris is very close to that program mm-hmm. has been covering it for a number of years, so I, I would get the impression that's maybe not just his opinion. You know, I, I, that may be something that's sort of permeating that program right now. And if so, um, to me, that that's kind of dangerous. You know, I think anytime you build a game up to that height, um, to that level of hype, I should say, uh, it can be dangerous for your team that puts a lot of extra pressure on them. I think South Carolina, frankly, played with a lot of extra pressure on them two weeks ago against Georgia. Yep. They did not look like they're calm. Just business executing, you know, sells like they did against Coastal Carolina. So, uh, you know that that's dangerous. I, I think this is probably a Vanderbilt team that, despite the loss to Notre Dame, probably comes into this game with, with some confidence. But um, anytime you put that much pressure on one game, it, it can be tough. You know, the team the teams that are really good in big games are the ones that are used to being in big games and don't really treat a big game like it's a big
1: game right notre dame edged out vanderbilt last saturday in south bend it was 22 17 and vandy really had opportunities to win that ball game notre dame was ranked eighth in the country going in and vanderbilt you know were it not for a couple of turnovers in that ball game one of them occurring inside of the notre dame five yard line vanderbilt really was in good shape to win that football game and they outplayed notre dame for stretches in a game that was played uh, in South Bend. So I I watched the entire ball game last week, Wes, and I came away very impressed with Vanderbilt, particularly their quarterback, Kyle Shermer. So we're going to talk more about him as we move through the game day podcast today. We're also going to take your phone calls on the Gamecock Central hotline, and we'll have keys to victory later in the podcast today from our Colin Taylor, who's our staff writer with Gamecock Central, and from Chris Lee from VanitySports.com. So Wes, let's talk about uh, Vanderbilt a little bit more before we move on to the Gamecock perspective, heading into today's 4 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Why is this the biggest game in Derrick Mason's Vanderbilt career? Well, it seems like Vanderbilt might be at a crossroads. They've got plenty of talent offensively, and it seems that you know coming off this performance against 8th-ranked Notre Dame, a game that they could have easily won, uh, you know they're going to go one of two directions here, Wes, and if they can beat South Carolina today, you know, South Carolina, with the exception of Georgia, South Carolina's probably the best team left on Vanderbilt's schedule. They feel like they've got a lot of winnable games on the schedule after South Carolina today, Georgia being the one game where they'll be the obvious underdog, but they closed the season with seven consecutive conference games, and they feel like at least six of them are winnable. So if they can beat Carolina today, you know, they've got a good chance to finish with nine wins or more, and that will be something else for Vanderbilt. Yeah,
0: it
2: would, and I, I think um, when you hear that, you know, biggest game of the Derek Mason era. My my initial thought is where where does the line get drawn for the Vanderbilt administration, the Vanderbilt fan base, um, you know, anybody involved in that program? Where is the line sort of drawn of what is acceptable as far as the expectations go? Uh, you know, within this program, and I, I I don't have that answer. Obviously, I think if you put if you put a team on the field that competes. Uh, week in, week out, and stays out of trouble and I think, frankly, does what they're supposed to do in the classroom as well. That you know, That's important at Vanderbilt just because of what that school is all about and the reputation of that school. So if a coach does all those things, are, are you really going to get rid of Derek Mason because he doesn't compete in the SEC East um, or compete to win the SEC East, I should say? In my opinion, probably not, but college football – it's rarely fair to coaches, you know, the expectations, especially because of what they're paid are very, very high. So, you know, I think you look at um, a situation there where, you know, you had a guy in James Franklin who sort of maybe re challenged what we think of with Vanderbilt and what the expectations can be. Um, and uh, the fan they saw that. So much like, not that it was to the level that Spurrier won at South Carolina, but much like the expectations for what is possible at South Carolina got shifted by Steve Spurrier, I think you look at what James Franklin did, you know, in his time at Vanderbilt, and maybe the expectations for what's possible, even if it's not realistic year in year out, you know, gets shifted a little bit.
1: So Vanderbilt's got uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas from the SEC West on their schedule, and Wes, if you're going to pick. If you were going to hand-pick the two teams from the West that you were going to play, those would be the two you picked. Yeah, and,
2: you know, they're not chanting, we want Bama
1: this year. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I
2: think they, uh, they there were some Vandy fans chanting that prior to the game last year. And, and at the time, you know, this Vandy team actually was off to a, a decent start to, to that season. And then, uh, you know, I think we're 3-0 and and about 59 to nothing points later the Vanderbilt team and the Vanderbilt defense never recovered from that at all. Um so, you know, I, I think the Andy team is improved. My the eyeball test says that. But at the same time, you know, they started fairly quick last year and then just got battered by Alabama and were never quite the same. So I, I don't think uh I don't think anybody anywhere close to Nashville is uh it's sad that the Alabama Crimson Tide are not on the schedule this year.
1: Right. Vanderbilt's 2-1 and one coming in, wins over Middle Tennessee State in Nevada, and the loss by just five points last week at eighth-ranked Notre Dame. So the Gamecocks come in 1-1. One and one, And let's talk about the Gamecock perspective here, Wes. Two weeks since the Georgia game, and it feels like two months, Wes, because mm-hmm. you know talk about the loss to Georgia continued into the second week. The Marshall game was canceled last week due to Hurricane Florence, and feelings, bad feelings have lingered for Gamecock fans at least into the second week. Even though we've been getting ready for Vanderbilt all week, people are still talking about that Georgia game.
2: Yeah, they are, and I think it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, about Vanderbilt sort of building this football game up. The South Carolina-Georgia game gets built up every year, but I think you look at this one, the fact that it was a home game, the fact that. We're looking on paper and seeing, hey, Georgia lost so much on defense. This is a team, you know, at least me personally, I thought South Carolina's offense was going to be able to exploit Georgia's defense. And um, it got built up. You know, I, I'll take I'll take some blame for that, too. I mean, I thought South Carolina was going to win the football game. I definitely thought they were going to go compete. So then when you have that in your mind, that that's what the expectation is, and then you go out there and it's not close it's a steep fall, you know, it's, it's a, it's rough. And these fans, especially on Gamecock central message boards are your diehard of your diehard fans who put everything they have into it. These are also your people that, that make your program uh, sustainable. So, you know, I I think um, you, you look at this team and you, you certainly hope that the team has put it behind them a little bit quicker than maybe the fan base has. But I think just like you said, the fact that it has lingered for two weeks, We'll find out if that's good or bad for the football team, but it has not been good for the psyche of the uh, average Gamecock fan. I yeah, don't think.
1: For, from a fan's perspective, the bad feelings have lingered. There's no question about that. And had Carolina played Marshall as scheduled last Saturday, you have to feel like, you know, the Georgia game would have at least been put in the rearview mirror to some degree. But as of, you know, late in the week, this week, folks were still talking about that Georgia game here in Columbia and in South Carolina. So. Wes, that brings us to another interesting point. You know, what about the the missing of the Marshall game? You know, it seems like maybe it would have helped Carolina to have played that game on Saturday just to put that Georgia game in the rearview mirror and forget about it, move on from it. And they were not afforded that opportunity because the Marshall game was canceled.
2: Yeah, I think um, especially if they had gone and played well, right, you know, right, go out there and stink and it up, then, um, <laughs> then it's different even worse. story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, the Louisiana Tech game last year came right on the heels of that uh, that bad Kentucky loss. And, um, you know, there was a lot of upset people after that game, rightfully so, even though South Carolina found a way to win. Um, and then, But the, the great thing about college football is that South Carolina, the very next week, there's nobody on the planet who is picking them to beat Texas A&M.
1: And they go
2: to Texas A&M and have the lead – you know, fairly late in the in the second half. And, you know, you're saying, where was this team at last week? So week to week, it is, it's, very, it's very easy to, to look at what happened against Georgia and get caught up and be like, is this what this South Carolina football team is? But, you know, if we look big picture, I think college football has taught us every single year that we never quite know as much about these teams as we think we do as far as how a game is going to play out. And two, um, especially with this team this year, I mean, what what do we know, Emerson? I mean, it, it, like you said, there's only been two games. Everybody else, we at least have three games. Not everybody, but most of the teams, we have three games worth of uh, knowledge of data, if you will. South Carolina, we only have two games, and they were two completely opposite games with, uh, with not really much in common for either one of them. So I think... This week and looking ahead to next week, Kentucky. Cir- circle the next two weeks. If you know South Carolina is two and zero, then the fan base I think can take a can take a relaxing breath and breathe again. If South Carolina loses one of these
1: games, then
2: it, it makes it tough to start hitting those win totals that we talked about preseason. All
1: right, we're going to let you hear from Derek Mason today. He's got an interesting comment uh, from his midweek press conference talking about this South Carolina Vanderbilt game and. Wes, you know that one of the backdrop stories, uh, or really one of the foreground stories, of this matchup today is the fact that Carolina has beaten Vanderbilt nine straight ball games, and South Carolina is twenty-three and four all time against the Commodores. This is the one team in the SEC that the Gamecocks have beaten consistently, even when Vanderbilt's had good teams. The Gamecocks always seem to find a way to win.
2: Yeah, they uh, they have just mashed Vanderbilt. When you look at the records um you know i was looking through the notes that usc gives out and south carolina literally has the best record against vanderbilt among every single team that they have played at least 10 times um all time every team south Carolina has played 10 times or more they have the best record against vanderbilt better record than any other team they've played um but then you start and and that record is 852 but then you start looking at The last decade, you know, where South Carolina has won nine straight. Uh, They're 23 and four overall. They're 12 and two in Nashville. They're 11 and two in uh, in Columbia. So you look at that and you say, well, South Carolina's dominated Vanderbilt. But then you start looking closer and you look at the actual matchups over those years and you see close game after close game after close game. And, you know, I think that, that makes it dangerous because you're probably. Gonna have another close game this weekend. Vegas certainly thinks so as well. You know, I've seen that line right around the two number, um, two, two and a half. Yep. And you know, you look at that and you say, how how many times can you how many times can you beat a team in in close games? You know, does the at some point does it even out to to some extent? You know, I, I don't know, but it's just weird to think that you can be in so many close games with a team and have that get a record against
1: them. So the Gamecocks trying to make it 10 straight wins over Vanderbilt today. And, you know, I don't know. We talked with Chris Lee from Vandy Sports earlier this week. He said that Mason did not bring that up in his midweek press conference this week. We don't know that Vandy's talked about that at all in-house. But I got to believe – West, it, you know, this becomes a, a sticking point at some point. When you lose nine straight to a team that you play every year, that's, that's got to be something that you talk about at some point, and if you're not talking about it, maybe that's why you can't beat this team. Maybe that's why you're losing to them every year.
2: Well, and I think, you know, let, let's be honest, um, other teams around the conference or around the country don't look at South Carolina in the same light that they do a Georgia, or even even though they've been down, a Florida or a Tennessee. Like let, Let's just be honest. So, if you're Vanderbilt, the fact that it's not it's not Tennessee or Florida that you've lost to nine straight times or Georgia that you've lost to nine straight times. In this case, we're talking about losing to South Carolina nine straight times. So that uh, I'm sure that hurts considering how many, like we're talking about, how many of those games they've been in. I mean, these football games that are three-point games or four-point games or seven-point games, how many plays, if you go back to those games, probably actually – Come down to you know it's a handful of plays. Uh, Elliot Fry drills a 55-yard field goal to, to beat you in a game that you know it's easy to forget. Vanderbilt was up 10 points against South Carolina in that game uh, two years ago in Nashville, hmm. in the the first game of the Muschamp era, and South Carolina finds a way to win and, and drills a field goal from distance. So uh, there have not only have you lost, but there's been some tough. Losses along the
1: way. Yeah, suffice to say, the Gamecocks have not hit too many 55-yarders over the year. So, Wes, we talked about uh, the Gamecocks and what a big game this is—the the two-week hangover, if you will, from the Georgia loss. So, what we've got is a two-game sample for South Carolina this year. You know, a good performance in a win against, obviously, an overmatched Coastal Carolina team. But the Gamecocks really looked strong you know they the offense moved the football from start to finish and the defense did the job so we thought the gamecocks you know played about the way we expected them to frankly against coastal carolina but then came out against georgia the six drop passes obviously well documented at this point and uh carolina just got run over particularly in that third quarter by that very strong georgia ground game over 200 yards rushing in the third quarter alone for georgia in that 41-17 win at williams Bryce. So this was a you know 20-10 to game at halftime, and Georgia just beat the brakes off the Gamecocks in the second half. So which South Carolina team is the real Gamecock team, Wes? What do we really know about this team headed into today's game at Vandy?
2: Yeah, I asked that very question on our Gamecock Central message board. Basically, what, what do you expect from the game tomorrow? And it's somewhere in the middle of those two things. I think that's always the case. That's the easy answer. But, you know, I think this team is clearly far better than what we saw out of them against Georgia. Now, did Georgia maybe expose a few weaknesses? Absolutely. But how many more – I think the big question I go back to is how many more teams on this schedule have the ability or the size up front offensively on your line um, or the speed outside that Georgia possesses, you know, possesses. How many teams left on the schedule also have the ability to exploit your weaknesses that that Georgia maybe showed? I, I think Georgia, in some ways, did things that they would have done to about any team had any team made the mistake South Carolina did. You know, if you pick six, uh, if you give up pick six to Georgia, then. You know, you're putting yourself in a hole right off the bat. You're, you're probably not going to win the game. Uh, your percentage goes down, uh, you know, immensely right at that moment. So, now I, I think going back to Coastal, they showed they can execute. No, none of those drives on offense were flukes. They were all full length of the field drives. The no short fields, no uh, no defensive scores, no special team scores. Th- those were legitimate and efficient offensive drives. So. I, I go back to how, how do the matchups look against some of these teams. South Carolina is going to match up way better than they did against Georgia. Can, to me, it's going to, for every week, the question is going to be, can they run the football against the front seven of the team that they're playing that week? And if they can, I think everything else falls into place, and then your playmakers on the outside can make plays. And this can be an offense that scores you know 30-something points every every game that that that's a positive to their favor. If you look at the, the matchup offensively and say the defensive front of the other team is probably going to own this matchup, then I, I think you're going to say South Carolina is going to be about where they were against Georgia as far as their, their point totals put up. It's going to be hard for them to, to put up a bunch of points. So the question becomes, what's the matchup this week? South Carolina's front and their running backs, which has been, part of the conversation this week too how, how much of it is on the offensive line will Muschamp has been fairly happy with his offensive line and how much of it is saying hey these running backs need to break tackles they need to make somebody miss um me personally i'd get aj turner back in there a little bit more he you know he runs hard he's not the most talented back but he's going to give you every ounce you got so you know maybe you throw him out there and let him try to boost things a little bit but um to, to me, that's that's the incredibly long-winded way of saying we have no idea, Emerson.
1: <laughs> All right, so one of the concerns I have about this game from a South Carolina perspective, Wes, is that you know Notre Dame beat Vandy largely on the strength of a strong running game. Tony Jones Jr., the Notre Dame tailback, ran for 100-plus yards in the ball game, and Notre Dame's quarterback, uh, Wimbush, is a good runner as well. He ran for 84 yards, and it was a – really kind of a smash-mouth Notre Dame ground attack that was the difference in that ball game. That's not South Carolina's brand of football, Wes.
2: No, it's it's not, and I think it's going to have to be to an extent this week. Um, you know, I, I went back and I looked at the game, as I almost always do. I looked at the game from last year between South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and to me the difference in that football game was the fact that South Carolina was able to consistently run the ball and Vanderbilt was not. Um and, uh, you know, when we when we go to our uh, hotline question here in a moment, I, I think it kind of matches what we're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you look – and I've got the numbers in front of me right now. Dallas Rivers, they're, one of their running backs, 11 carries for 41 yards. Ralph Webb, six carries for 31 yards. Um, they had a couple of guys that had runs on reverses. But a Blossom game, uh, two carries for seven yards. So – Vanderbilt rushed for 107 yards on 23 carries last year. South Carolina rushed for 212 yards on 37 carries last year, a 5.7 yards per carry um, and three touchdowns. So South Carolina sort of, even though it was a close game, they controlled the football game with their running game and even got Jake Bentley involved in the running game as well. Six carries 47 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Now you look, and what Vanderbilt did against Notre Dame, they they did a pretty good job uh, for the most part of keeping Wimbush in the pocket. So, you know, we don't think of Bentley as being a running threat, but last year that was a big part of the reason that South Carolina was able to win the game. So that's something that I'm going to be focused on this week as well.
1: Gamecocks ran the football only 16 times against Georgia, and I know they were you know playing from behind much of the second half. That didn't help, obviously, but Carolina just did nothing on the ground against the Bulldogs. Obviously, Georgia's defense more formidable than Vanderbilt. So maybe that's a cause for optimism ahead of today's 4 o'clock kickoff in Nashville. It will be on the SEC Network. And this is the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. I'm Emerson Phillips. Wes Mitchell alongside today. Wes, let's go ahead and go to the Gamecock Central hotline. We got a call here from Sean. He is from Tucker, Georgia. And Sean's got a question for you about today's ballgame. Let's listen in.
0: Hey, this is Sean from Tucker, Georgia, the hometown of Gamecocks, Dylan Wanham, and Josh Van and Aaron Sterling. Anyway, I've got a question uh, about Vanderbilt's offense. I know Coach Muschamp in the press conference said that he thought Vanderbilt would try to run a balanced game. But uh, Vanderbilt wasn't looking particularly balanced at all versus Notre Dame. Uh, they're very heavily passed. And I just wondered uh, if you think the Gamecocks going to be able to – to really stifle the Vandy run game today? And if so, do you expect uh, the Gamecocks to be able to take advantage of that and, uh, and, and shut down the passing game as well? All right, just your thoughts there on uh, what Vandy's going to run and what, how the Gamecocks are going to respond. Thanks.
2: Really good question from Sean there, Emerson. And, um, you know, I want to encourage everybody listening to, to call in because we will put you on. Um, and uh, another good question. We had a couple of good questions for the Georgia game last week. And I uh, appreciate Sean getting us there. But, uh, you know, I, I think he makes a, a good point. They were able to throw the football against uh, Notre Dame last week. And I think that goes, to, that goes back to Kyle Shermer and the fact that, you know, this guy is, to me, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the conference, possibly even the, the country, you know. So uh, I think you look at them, though, and like we're talking about, the fact that South Carolina was able to run the football last year. Vanderbilt was not in that ball game, Kyle Shermer still put up big numbers. You know, he torched Carolina, 27 for 49, 333 yards, four touchdowns, and just one pick. Um, But just the fact that he, South Carolina, was forcing him to beat them alone and there wasn't that balance, that was the difference in the football game. So I I think if if you look at the game this week and Vanderbilt is having success with both of those things, they're able to run the football, and Kyle Shermer's having a big day, then South John is probably losing the football game. So I think when, when when Buschamp talks about having to stop the run, he's just talking about the fact that when you're running the football, it gives your offense that consistency. It gives it that efficiency. You can throw the football on first down because you know that you can follow up on second down and get five, six, seven yards in the running game. You're, you're confident and you're comfortable as a play caller when you have the running game to give you that consistency up front. So I think what Muschamp is saying is that when Vandy's really good on offense, it's because they're able to pair that running game with a quarterback like Kyle Shermer, just like what we're talking about with South John and Jake Bentley. If South John can pair that running game with what they have in the passing game with these really good receivers, then they're tough to beat. So to to me, you probably, it's, it's a, long-term proven, uh, you know, key in every single football game. You can look at the rushing totals, but especially this week, um, with all the talk about South Carolina in the running game and then much chance on about Vandy's running game, whichever team has the better numbers there uh, is probably going to win this
1: football game. All right, Sean, thanks for the phone call. 497-9058, if you want to join us on the GC Hotline, get your questions in now for the Kentucky game. You call in, you leave a voice message, and we'll play your question on the air during next week's Game Day Podcast. That number again, 803-497-9058, Gamecocks Central Hotline, available 24-7. Wes, you talked about Shermer, and he's another reason that I'm concerned for the Gamecocks today. I think Shermer is a very able quarterback. After watching that Notre Dame game in particular, you know, he's a good decision maker. He's got the arm strength. And I like his feet, Wes. A football coach that I talked with years ago told me that when you're evaluating a quarterback, you don't look at his arm, you look at his feet. And Shermer's got good feet. He's quiet in the pocket. He's very calm. You can tell he's he's composed. He's a cool customer. And I think he gives Vanderbilt a chance to win most any given Saturday. And you couple that with the fact that uh, Vanderbilt's got some really talented skill players. Kalijah Lipskin, their wide receiver, leads the SEC in receptions. And they got a tight end that is the top pass catcher among SEC tight ends right now. He leads the country, in fact, in receptions by tight end. Vandy's got weapons on offense, and Shermer is the type of quarterback that can distribute the football to them.
2: Yeah, they they really do. And uh, Jared Pinkney is the tight end you're talking about. He's he's a guy that I I think is probably going to the NFL. You know, I think he's a draft pick. Uh, You don't really think about Vandy and offensive, you know, weapons going to the NFL, but. Uh, They've had a decent little run here lately where they've been able to get some guys that, you know, have have NFL athleticism. And Jared Pinkney Pinkney does. is starting to show in his play. I think he was an upside guy his first two years where you saw some ability. But he's put it all together. And I I think that helped, obviously, Kyle Shermer, giving him another big target when you're worried about the running game. They are a pro-style scheme. When you're worried about the running game, and then give him the ability to go play action and, and get that tight end back behind the linebackers. That uh, that that's a weapon. And I, I think you look at Shermer; you can tell this is the son of a coach. You a lot of times when when a, a kid has been around the game his entire life, uh, it just sort of they sort of exude that that confidence and that that comfortabil- comfortability ability in there. And uh, you know, I think you look at uh, Pat Shermer, who actually is the offense coordinator for the Giants has been in the NFL with a number of teams for a number of years. You can tell that, you know, his kid has picked up a lot from him. So I think for South Carolina, if they, if it gets to a point and this is another one of those things that just is way easier for us to talk about than it is to actually go do it. But if he's getting in situations where he's able to just drop back without much of a rush in his face, then, you know, he's going to, He's going to put up big numbers. He's going to rip Carolina's secondary apart. So, at the end of the day, it goes back to trying to get him uncomfortable, to get him off of his steps, to make him try to to do things he doesn't enjoy doing. Because, you know, I I thought Muschamp, he put it pretty well. You know, this guy's going to look at your defense, and he's he's going to know what's coming pre-snap a lot of times. He's seen it all. He's a four-year starter. Um, there's not much you can show pre-snap that's going to confuse him. So it's going to be all about what happens post-snap.
1: Four o'clock kickoff for the Gamecocks and the Commodores on the SEC Network. And, Wes, we talked about you know Vanderbilt's offense extensively here. I wanted to talk about their defense a little bit. Chris Lee from VandySports.com, who will have Vanderbilt's keys to victory for us here in just a few minutes, uh, told us on Gamecock Central this week that The Vandy defensive line is undersized, and they've had a pretty good pass rush last year and early part of this year, but they didn't get much of a pass rush against Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame only threw 23 passes in the ballgame. That was obviously a factor, and Wimbush is mobile, but uh, Vanderbilt's D-line a little bit undersized, and Chris Lee was concerned about Vandy against a big offensive line, and he thinks that could be a matchup advantage for the Gamecocks.
2: Yeah, you know, I think you look at it, and, you look at the size South Carolina does have up front, and you look at, particularly on the interior, Donnell Stanley, Zach Bailey, Darius Hutchison, and sort of that, that inside zone running game that has been a part of what South Carolina has done over the years. That's probably something you can circle when we're talking about can South Carolina run the football? Can they establish the run this week? And they they need to sort of tire those guys out. You know, the, the best way to negate a pass rush is to not – let them get into situations where they know you're going to have to pass so I I really Emerson think the game plan this week is probably completely opposite from what we saw the first drive two weeks ago you know I I think South Carolina probably comes out and because of all they've talked about the last couple of weeks I think they probably run the ball six seven out of the first ten times you know ten times out there ten plays out there just because um they need to sort of establish that they can do that and and put Vandy in a situation where they're getting leaned on in the running game and aren't able to just pin their ears back and and rush your passer and and get in those third and long situations which that that's where you know this is a an aggressive Vanderbilt defense they have a new defensive coordinator they're much more aggressive they're going to come at you they're going to be very very exotic at times in their pressures but you negate all that stuff if it's third and three, you know, you, the only time that stuff is going to fly is if you're in third and tens and third and twelves. And, uh, you know, if you can run the football on early downs, then, uh, you know, you negate all that stuff because it, it, it creates easy when it's third and two and you bring the house, you know, that, that creates easy completions underneath for the first down. So uh, I think, um, they're an improved defense. They have some playmakers. They're pretty fast, I think, and they're going to get after you when they can. But that, that's why it'll be key for South Carolina, like you said, to kind of take advantage of that uh, maybe size uh, advantage that they have up front.
1: All right, the Gamecocks are two and a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Nashville today for a big ball game between the Gamecocks and the Commodores. Let's go ahead and listen in to Derek Mason. I thought this was an interesting soundbite from his midweek press conference earlier this week. South Carolina
0: Gamecocks coming into town, and this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Uh, man, you go back to it, man. This isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch pail. Let's get to work.
1: So that's Derek Mason, West uh, Vanderbilt head coach, saying it's going to be a street fight today. And I think he's right, man. These are physical games between
2: uh, these two teams every single time they play. And, uh, you know, Vandy, Vandy is one of those teams that, they hit you, you know, what's the saying? until the echo of the whistle, like they, uh, they, they get in their shot. So they, uh, you know, they walk right on that line of, uh, of being physical and being a little over physical. So, uh, you know, I think that's something to watch in this football game. This is a team that has to play with the chip on their shoulder because of who they are. They're, they're never, I mean, they're almost never the most purely talented team on the field when they're playing conference games. So, they have to find their advantage somewhere else, and you're talking about you're talking about two programs that build their reputation around the idea of, you know, we're going to try to out physical you, and uh, you know, I think you have two defensive minded head coaches that try to instill that not just in their defense but in their entire team. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a little chippy in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little extracurricular activity after some plays, but. Uh, it's going to be a dogfight, man. I think both teams are going to, both teams are going to have some extra bumps and bruises after this one.
1: No doubt about it. Before we get you today's keys to victory, let's take a look at the SEC schedule today. Georgia, ranked number two in the country, is at Missouri. That's a noon kickoff. Georgia's a fourteen-point favorite there. SEC opener for Missouri, non-con game for Ole Miss. Noon kickoff against Kent State. The big game in the SEC today is Alabama hosting Texas A&M. A&M broke into the polls at number 22. They're only lost a two-point loss at home to Clemson a couple of weeks ago. Bama's a 26-point favorite in this game. Carolina Vanderbilt, 4 o'clock kickoff. Carolina by 2.5. LSU hosting Louisiana Tech. LSU has not lost to an in-state opponent since the early 80s. They lost to Tulane about 35 years ago. That was the last time LSU was beaten by an in-state school. Kentucky coming off the... Uh, win at Florida a couple of weeks ago, 1-0 in SEC play, hosting 14th-ranked Mississippi State. It's the conference opener for the Bulldogs. They're 3-0. and That's a pretty good matchup, too, there, Wes. I hear Kentucky, you know, a lot of folks are saying Kentucky's got the best team maybe they've ever had. Yeah,
2: we're, we're going to learn a lot about Kentucky this week because um, I tell you, Joe Moorhead, I like the job he's done with Mississippi State so far. Um, he had, he walked into a situation where he, he's he got a really good quarterback that, that can make things happen with his arm and his feet. So, it. it it's not like he was walking into one of these situations where the cupboard is bare. So, uh, but, but he's done well so far. And I think we're going to that, that Kentucky talk about, you know, one of the best teams in Kentucky history may, may be a little premature, but I I think we, we know a lot about that team, uh, you know, set by Saturday night, by the end of the day, because, um, there's going to be a, as soon as this game is over between South Carolina and Vandy, um, the entire Gamecock fan base will start officially mm-hmm. worrying about Kentucky. That's right.
1: Well, we know this about Kentucky. I don't know if this is one of the best teams they've ever had, but this Kentucky team did something that no previous Kentucky team had done in what thirty <laughs> years. They won against Florida. In fact, uh, this Kentucky team won in Gainesville two weeks ago, twenty-seven to sixteen. So yeah. Kentucky's three and zero. Mississippi State's three and zero. That's a seven o'clock ball game on ESPN two. Also, a seven o'clock kickoff tonight for Florida and Tennessee. Dagum West, you think about this ball game. This game had national championship implications every year for like a decade, it seemed like, but uh, not the case this year. You wouldn't think with both teams two and one. It's Tennessee's SEC opener. Florida's zero one in the league. Seven o'clock kick on ESPN. Gators are favored by four and a half. I mean, what what you know?
2: What alternate reality have we stepped into, Emerson? <laughs> because, dude, I mean, Florida Tennessee is like a borderline lock for CBS game of the week, three thirty. 30 um, in my, in my sort of growing up formative years of watching college football. Yep. You know, this is a lock for being the national game of the week. And, um, you know, I, I'm still mad in our Gamecock central pick them. I'm, I'm looking at Kentucky, Florida last week. And I'm like, that that's a virtual lock too. You just, you always pick Florida to be Kentucky. You don't even think twice about it. Yep. And, so I take an L there because Kentucky beats Florida, and we're not talking about the game of basketball. Um, the Cleveland Browns are winning football games. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the NFL MVP so far. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know where we are. We slipped into an alternate reality of some type. Um, but this stuff is weird, man. And, and you got uh, Kentucky people fired up about football and uh and tennessee and florida i i sprint and this is god's honest truth i didn't know those two teams were playing each other this week until you just told me that which would have would have been unheard of in the past
1: yeah seven o'clock kick espn for the gators and the vols that matchup not what it used to be from a national perspective or from an sec perspective for that matter so that doesn't really hurt my feelings either, Wes. I'll be honest with you. The only other game in the SEC this week, 7.30 kickoff tonight. Auburn hosting Arkansas on the SEC network. Auburn's favored by 29.5. And, and, Wes, did you see what North Texas did at Arkansas last uh,
2: week? Oh, man. Yeah, I did. I did. I guarantee all punts will be covered through – I'll <laughs> use the term, the phrase again, through the echo of the whistle. Um the the funny thing is, did you read the story about how the first guy down there from Arkansas was asking the punt returner, "Hey, why why didn't they blow the whistle?" And starts looking around like he he was in on the joke, but wow, was like you know, sure, surely surely this isn't happening. Yep. and then of that,
1: course, that yeah, North the Texas guy, return exactly. man said, "Let me show you why and they didn't blow the whistle." <laughs> wow, yeah,
2: exactly, but, Arkansas. Uh, got uh, yeah, blown? I don't know, man. These are weird days.
1: Arkansas got blown out at home by North Texas last Saturday, first year for Arkansas' new head coach, Chad Morris, whom we know all about here in South Carolina. So that sets the stage for today's South Carolina Vanderbilt game. Let's throw it to Colin Taylor, our staff writer. He's got Gamecock keys to victory.
0: Yeah, so obviously with, with South Carolina, the keys probably going to be establish the run game.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: you know, it sounds like a broken record, but we say it every week. Uh, when they run the ball well, it frees up Jake. It frees up a lot of things for, for that offense to do. So they got to run the ball. And in terms of defensively, you're going to have to force some turnovers. You got to force Kyle Schummer to kind of get out of the pocket and out of his comfort zone a little bit because when he could sit back, he could pick apart a defense. Um, so it's that. And then it's really making sure that there's no explosive plays. Will Muschamp said it this week that they really got to make sure that, you know, Vanderbilt has to march down the field instead of getting chunk plays, is kind of what they're used to getting. So. If they can do that, which I think they can do, I think South Carolina walks away with a win, albeit probably a close win.
1: Thank you, Colin. That's Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer. And now we will send it over to Chris Lee from VandySports.com. He's got Commodores. Keys to victory. Keys to Vanderbilt
0: victory are one win the turnover battle. They did a great job. Vanderbilt did in the first couple weeks. They forced six turnovers between Nevada and MTSU. Did not force any last week against Notre Dame came up minus two in that area, maybe minus three, depending on how they ruled the final play where they had a a series of laterals. But I think if you win that, that always is a good predictor for who wins the ball game uh, in just about any evenly matched game. And I think number two, they got to take some chances and not be afraid. They are a slow starting team. They put a premium on pass protection and jumbo sets and things like that. I think this is a Vanderbilt team that's got an unusual amount of weapons. I think South Carolina can control the tempo in a lot of ways, and run the ball. I think they're going to get some points. I think Vanderbilt has got to make sure it responds in kinds, takes some shots downfield, unleashes Keyshawn Vaughn. I think that they can do that. Commodores have got a chance to pull an upset, but they've got to be aggressive.
1: Chris Lee from VandySports.com dot com with Vanderbilt's keys to victory. We're set for a four o'clock kickoff in West. You know, I like that Derek Mason soundbite that we played earlier. On the podcast, a street fight today between the Gamecocks and the Commodores. This is one the Gamecocks got to have. Wes got to have it.
2: They they have to, and I uh, you know I think it's a street fight, but I think we see offense. I, I really do. I think I think both sides are going to deliver their share of punches. Um, I have South Carolina winning the game, but I think it's to be close, man. I've got uh, I've got thirty one to twenty eight South Carolina. All
1: right, a high scoring game. Interesting, 31-28 28. Wes, appreciate you, man. Chris Clark unable to be with us this week. He's been under the weather all week, so we hope to have Chris back on the Game Day podcast next week. Wes, you do a fantastic job. Thanks very much. Thanks, man. Let's uh, let's do it again this time next week. All right, we're ready for South Carolina and Vanderbilt. For Wes Mitchell, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us for the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast.